Hey y'all! This episode was recorded on Zoom, so the audio quality won't be as lovely as our usual stuff. Hope you'll stick with us, because the guests and conversations are still fantastic. Thanks! Hello, and welcome to Inquiries. You may be asking yourself, what is this podcast about? Well, Inquiries are questions. We're asking questions about how facets of libraries and queer community intersect, but make it gay. We are your decorous guides. I am Shannon, pronouns she, they. My name is Michael. My pronouns are he, him. My name is Lisa. I'm a librarian at Great Northwest. My pronouns are she, her, Aya. And my name is Dakri. I am also a librarian, and I go by she, her pronouns. And my name is Dax. I go by he, him. I am an interior designer. All right. Thank you for joining us today, Dax. Uh, so uh, to start off the top of our show, uh, I have a little icebreaker game that we are going to play. It is called Would You Rather? Uh, I am going to propose uh, a set of conditions. You get to choose which one you want to deal with. Uh, and Everyone uh, has to give their answer. We'll go ahead and go in intro order. Are we ready? Sure. Right. Yeah. Intro order, but with Dax first. Yes. Okay. All right. So the Shoot. first one, first one is, would you rather live in a house with no natural light or a house with bathrooms carpeted in shag? I'm just, I'm appalled that you even came up with that question. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> um, both are horrible, um, but I need light. Uh, so I would go with the light and live with the shag carpet. Just fair warning, it only gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's worse than shag carpet, so yeah, in a bathroom. Fair point. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with no natural light. I can't. I hate carpet anyway. Please do not put it in the bathroom. That's so gross. It's so gross. Uh, for myself, uh, I would have to go with the carpet because, yeah, I cannot I cannot have no natural light in my house. Just my, my time sense is bad enough as it is. Um, same. Uh, I, <laughs> rather than saying a step towards the light, I'll say, I need all the light because I'm a plant lady, so I need light. Uh, so, yeah, no shag carpet over here. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with shag carpet in the bathroom also because I desperately need light. I am medicated for depression, so no natural light would be really bad move on my part. Um, so going to have to live with shag carpet in the bathroom. Just the defeat in everyone's voice with that is just exactly what I was going for. <laughs> All right. Question number two. Would you rather live in a house with an all pastel color scheme or a house covered in live, laugh, love wallpaper? Uh, you just came up with that one just for me. I know you did. Uh. <laughs> um Oof, live, laugh, love signs or anything indicative of where you are in a space. 
I can't deal with that. Um, I can make pastels work. <laughs> Am I allowed to add to the pastels? Like, can I, can everything else be black? <laughs> then right. we'll be, that's fine. I was going to say, the walls were the only thing that were specified. Okay, then cool. Yeah, pastel all the way. Uh, for myself, yeah, no, pastels. <laughs> pastels, I would, no, not the wallpaper. Oh. Um, same for myself. Uh, the Hello Kitty 80s kid in me <laughs> is okay with pastels. So yeah, no live, laugh, love. I'm going to go with pastels well i'm not a, a sign girly <laughs> uh, glad to know we are all of one mind um okay third question you can live in a gorgeous mansion only every single room is a randomly themed decor or a one bedroom that you can decorate as you choose <laughs> okay, I can't live in a theme park. Um, so I'm going to take the one bedroom. Yeah. Shannon? Oh, this is because. Mm, no, I have to take the mansion. I need space. Like, I live in a tiny apartment and it drives me absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the theme park. Fine. <laughs> I, I will also take the theme park. Uh, husband and three cats. I need I need at least one room to myself. <laughs> <clears throat> Lisa, uh, I'm okay with the theme park. <laughs> I really am. I feel like well, I don't want to say that's my place right now, but I my room has to be my safe space, my bedroom. So I'm okay with that. I'm going to go with the one bedroom. I'm with Dax on this. I cannot, I cannot be in individually themed rooms all over the house. That sounds really, it sounds like too much. Oh, come on. The kids would love it. Wait, hold on. What? Okay, go back. <laughs> No, 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 no take back, <laughs> No, too late. You, you get so, your answer. I did, I did, and I, I feel like I should take that back because I think that when I thought of theme park, I thought of something totally different. <laughs> <laughs> the scariest part is that it's randomly themed, so you have no oh. idea what that theme is going to be. Oh, it man. could be something completely wild. Okay, well, good thing this is just for fun. <laughs> Okay. Oh no! Move. No one told. No one told you. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought Dax was coming over and just changing I everything. <laughs> All the way, and yeah, I, I totally pegged you for a Barbie themed room. Yeah. That directed um, to you, Lisa. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we'll do uh, another question. Is okay, house, but. Either all the furniture is gilded or all your curtains are full-length pictures of Jeff Goldblum. First of all, I have a headache. Um, <laughs> um, and the like fact that, well, and, and you use the term curtains, which just, uh, yeah, 
no. Um, oof, tough choice. Um, you know, I grew up in an environment where if it ain't shiny, it ain't pretty. So, um, Jeff Goldblum, surprisingly. I am actually a little surprised. <laughs> it sounds like you grew up in Dallas. Um, <laughs> uh, no shade, but word. also Dallas. Come word. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will take the Jeff Goldblum curtains. Thank you. Uh, I hate gilded anything. Um, and I hate matchy matchy. So curtains I can kind of ignore. Like they're they're the wall. I will stop seeing his face within like a week. It's fine. I will also take curtains uh, because just gilded, like, yeah, no, mm -mm. I am, I am not that kind of gay. (laughs) (laughs) Varnished, but not gilded. You see me. (laughs) Okay, so I've had a crush on Jeff Goldblum since Earth Girls Are Easy. (laughs) And oddly, the fly. Which oh, my okay. mom hold on. <laughs> Lot to unpack there. Well, yeah, which which my mom thinks like flies are gross ever since that movie came out. Like she just if a fly lands on her food, she just gets disgusted. <laughs> she just won't eat it ever since that movie. Anyways, I love Jeff Goldblum. Um, I'm a huge fan, and I think I came up with this question. <laughs> <laughs> so you know who I'm voting for. Hey. You, I guess I'm gonna have to go with the curtains as well. Um, don't really care about staring at a man all day. Um, however, I have friends that would be very pleased if I had Jeff Goldblum curtains in my house. So, this one is for them. (laughs) Don't decorate for other people. Look, I don't want any of these choices. But if I have to choose, might as well, someone might as well benefit from it. It's not going to be me, clearly. It's so civic-minded of you. (laughs) All right. So, final question, uh, and then we can move on. Um, Maybe take a break so Dax can get some ibuprofen. uh, Is, one, would you rather uh, have a house with a Beauty and the Beast-style library or a giant, beautiful Victorian conservatory? Uh, Well, that's easy for me, Um, conservatory. Uh, And I have reasons behind that for later questions, but yeah. I'm curious about that. But this is, how dare you come for me with this question? (laughs) It's got to be the library. I already have like four bookshelves in my tiny apartment, so I'm halfway there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. It's a library library for me. That was like my favorite scene in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm going to go with library as well. So um, conservatory reminds me of like Lemony Snicket, though, for whatever <laughs> reason. Um, and I love that, too. So it, I'm really torn. Unsurprisingly, going with library as well. <laughs> it's fitting. Um, but also, Michael, I 
empathize deeply with that scene. Like you said, I have wanted a library with a ladder since I was little. And that's not even really like my style at all, but it's just embedded in deep memory from Beauty and the Beast. I mean, I, I even though I am an adult, I still would love a library with a ladder just because I would just slide back and forth on it all day. Some things you just don't have to know. <laughs> Somebody make that happen for him. Please, please. Uh, I will start a GoFundMe. Uh, Only if I get to come over. <laughs> well, that'd be nice to me. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that was fun. Uh, now that we've done the warm up, let's go ahead and get to the uh, main event. Uh, so, Dax, um, as you said, you are an interior designer. Uh, so, I do want to ask because I actually have never asked you this before. How would you describe uh, your aesthetic, and how did you how did that develop for you? Um, for me, my aesthetic um, has always been. A narrative, um, curated approach. Uh, everything I do, I like to. It needs to tell a story. Um, should be an adventure of some kind. Uh, some sort of continuity of thought or experience. So, curated, definitely. Um, interesting. Very, uh, very good question because everyone has their own style. And I mean, yeah, I'm clean, modern, but nothing makes me happier than like a really curated space that tells a story. Like it just fascinates me. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, as, as a librarian, yes, I am a big fan of narration um, and, and storytelling. Uh, so the idea of a space that does that for you, that's actually really cool. Um, and I mean, on a related note, so interior design is often considered like a very gay or gay friendly uh, profession. Uh, how has that played out for you? It, you're right. And growing up in my era, if you were a gay man, you it was acceptable to be um, a florist, a hairdresser, or an interior designer, or even a flight attendant. You know, we had very specific roles um, that were, I guess, uh, more accepted uh, in the world. So for me, it definitely allowed me freedom to be as expressive as I wanted to be because it was expected, you know, in my profession. It's often some of the complaints I've gotten from uh, people I've worked with in the industry and sometimes clients is that I am not um, animated enough. I don't. Um, I'm not flamboyant enough. Um, so I do my best, <laughs> but um, uh, it, it's definitely given me a lot of freedom. It's like Liberace is not like necessarily where we are all at. 
<laughs> Correct. But sometimes it's expected. Yeah, yeah, I kind of feel like it's in the same vein of like a token gay best friend or yeah. a, a gay guy best friend, I should say. Um, they are like, oh, this is my gay interior designer, right? And there's this expectation, this box that they want to put you in that you need to present as or look like in that capacity. And I think that's super dangerous um, to do to people. And I know <clears throat> the first time we met with you prior to this recording, we talked a little bit about how that evolution has happened for you as you have been in this field and how now that you're older, you're a little bit more comfortable kind of leaning into yourself and not necessarily this idea of what an interior designer is. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, I guess with, with age, with experience, um, uh, I am less apologetic for who I am or what I say, uh, how I express myself for sure. Um, and I think part of that is leaning into embracing just who I am uh, as a person and then as a creator. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I want to work with people who get it. I mean, I have to pay the bills like everyone else. But if someone's stifling or controlling it's just not going to happen for me. Um, micromanaging me or what is, there's an expression which I love in my industry called, I am not an effing screwdriver. I'm not here to implement your bad ideas, right? Um, and so let me be creative. I mean, that's just, that's what we do. And that's who I am as a gay man. And it's literally what you're theoretically being hired for. <laughs> True. And I actually have a question for you guys. Um, if you were designing a space, would it be natural for you to like go to or ask your like queer male best friend first? Like who would you go to? I am not a design minded person. Um, ironically, I might go to my mom first. Okay. Her hobby, like her she doesn't really have hobbies outside of like gardening and decorating her home. Like she, okay. she gets house beautiful. She gets like different design magazines. That's what she enjoys doing is looking at spaces. I am not that person. I got anime posters up on my walls. Like <laughs> it's and, not. And Jeff Gl Goldblum. Curtain. <laughs> Goldblum <laughs> no, curtain, but she yeah. does have curtains. <laughs> uh, she yeah. also has swags. Um, I don't, I, I surprisingly don't have very many gay guy friends, know a whole bunch of lesbians, <laughs> but yeah, I don't have a gay guy friend I think I could go to to ask. So no, that wouldn't be like at all. That's not where my brain goes to. I think <clears throat> kind of like Shannon, I would probably go to reference materials or just okay. like wing it. I am not an interior designer by any means. Um, but I do want to change the furniture around in our house like every few months, which absolutely drives my wife crazy. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think oh, I would I either them. use reference materials or wing it. I think 
I feel I am unfortunately proving the point here, but I was like, I don't know if I, I have my own ideas of how I want things to be. Right. So I'd probably go to like friends, you, I know you, so I'd probably go to you and be like, Hey, I'm deciding between these things. Like, what do you think? Um, No guarantee I would take said advice, but I would ask, but yeah, I actually have kind of my, my own ideas of, of how I want things to look. And actually that's been kind of the uh, interesting thing with Stephen and I kind of navigating how each of us wants things to look um, because my husband is a fan of seventies decor and I'm like, uh, okay. Heart of any good relationship is compromised. Let's, let's remember this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, oh, sorry, Dex, go ahead. No, please. Yeah. Um, I was actually a hairdresser for 20 years before I became a librarian. So I have tons of gay friends and tons. I don't have a gay best friend. I just have a good amount of friends that I feel like would give me advice if I asked for it. But I have like a keen sense since I was probably a teenager of who I am. And I've always kind of dyed my own hair and dressed how I wanted to dress. And my room reflects my mood in that time period. So I feel like my aesthetic is based on how I've changed over the years. And so I just, I don't really ask for advice because. I'm representing myself in my home. And so, yeah, it's my answer. I think that's, that's one of the things that impresses me the most is like, I can walk into a room and get so much information about the person or the people that live there or work there. Right. Um, it's nothing more fascinating to me than walking into a space and just getting clear visions of who a person is Uh, because i always say what's going on in your space is also what's going on in your head right that gives me a lot of insight that's Um, really interesting because i always tell my wife she's not a big reader um but i always tell my wife like that i judge people by their bookshelves and i know (laughs) that sounds really snobby But I feel the same way. Like I can tell a lot about a person based on what kind of stuff is on their bookshelf. And so I find that very fascinating that I, and I'm sure Michael, Lisa, Shannon, you may all do the same, maybe not judge, (laughs) but you can gather a lot of information based on what, what people are reading. And we have, I have a ton of books. Um, We have all of my books in, a room set uh, like off from the main living area. And I always tell my wife, like my collection feels very private to me. I don't want people coming in and looking through my books. And uh, I don't know if it is tied to the fact that I judge people based on their collections. So I, I don't want people doing that to me, but yeah, that's very fascinating. I was going to say, I don't remember what it was. I think it was an author 
a few years ago when everybody was doing Zoom, they did like some kind of talk or maybe it was an actor and they were in like their library and people were like zooming in to see like, what are those books so that everybody could judge this person? How uh, big self-help section, right? <laughs> well, and for me, I am, I don't appreciate when people organize their books by color. I don't, I don't like it. It upsets me. Uh, <laughs> that means you don't read them. That means they're display. <laughs> No. Uh, go ahead, Doc. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I've I've been asked to do that, and I've also been asked to cover every single book in a white cover so that they're all matching. No. So, uh, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. horrible. I do have a question for you, Dax, and um, it's um something that I've thought about, but I'm going to go ahead and start. Um, after a long day of equestrian life, mm -hmm. the sun is setting and you're having a picnic by your favorite tree, reading a book while sipping out of a teacup, accompanied by a fresh buttermilk biscuit wrapped in a cloth napkin with your initials embroidered on the corner. Okay. okay, I really thought this through. God, I'm picturing it. Did equestrian life have an influence on what genre of books that interested you? And what book are you reading in this scenario? So definitely what I was reading was influenced by sort of my uh, equestrian interests. Um, and if it's kind of bizarre because it started with something, I mean, it's just is so cliche, but it started with like the great Gatsby, you know, and sort of that privileged lifestyle. Um, and um, kind of, I, I was reading a lot of uh, period stuff. Um, you know, where every, every person, uh, had some sort of equestrian, you know, ability, you know, they were described as very horsey, you know, or they went riding or jumping or fox hunting or something. So I kind of was drawn to that. Um, but the, the great Gatsby was my first, I guess, um, uh, I love that. I love that. That's a good first. It really is. And then something that's really, really um, cheesy um, was uh, a series of books and movies, um, uh, Black Velvet. And it just, yeah. Uh, yes. Read them all, you know. <laughs> Uh, Look, um, William forced me to watch um, <laughs> this cartoon. Um, and I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. Maybe you can help me out. But it's come out in the past few years, and it's a cartoon about a horse. Spirit. Uh, spirit. Oh, my God. Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I can see this. Yes. <laughs> Three times already. And the last time, I mean, I did cry a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But um, yeah, I thought, why am I watching Spirit? But yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, uh, related. 
Oh, mm. go ahead. Go Jenna. ahead. No. Okay. I was gonna say, uh, to give, I did want to give some context for like why this question was asked. Uh, so Dax, do you want to, uh, tell us, you know, how you were involved with equestrian life? Like what, what prompted us to, uh, propose this question to you? Uh, you know, um, I guess, uh, always been fascinated by horses and it started with two kind of internal feelings. One is that the anatomy of a horse is so, in so many ways, similar to human anatomy. Uh, and, and it's very much, this is so uh, uh, velvet rage. Uh, but um, the musculature of horses, very sexual, um, uh, very human. Uh, I was just drawn to that. The second part of that is they are the most sensitive creatures on the planet. Like they just are. And so when I was a kid, um, eight or nine, um, the minute I had the opportunity to be around a horse, I was. And so when I was in Texas, uh, my grandparents had horses. Uh, I was always there, always riding, brushing, grooming. And then when I was home in Miami, I was always taking lessons. So just natural for me. Um, I felt, oh, that's a tough one. But uh, uh, the truth is, is that horses gave me the compassion and the like empathy that I probably needed growing up that I didn't get from my human counterparts. So uh, that's why I love them. Yeah. Uh, no. And I don't even remember the question, but that's where I went with it. So perfect. Um, I mean, and that's fair. Yeah. No, <laughs> find finding sensitivity and compassion where you can is, uh, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, a very common story. I love that yeah. though. I um, I lived in Washington State for three years, and I've never met at so many equestrians till I I moved there. Oh, yeah. Um, it's very interesting. And um, I worked at a salon when I first moved there. Um, and it was called Skills Hair Salon, and um. Uh, my friends owned um, horses and it was so odd to me because we had to do makeup for this fashion show in Portland. And uh, they were like, wait, uh, before we go, I, I have to go feed my horse really quick. And we like drove to their barn, uh, their property and we <laughs> had to wait for them. And I thought this is this is something that people talk about when they think of Texas. And yeah. I just never thought Washington State live that lifestyle like i just think of seattle and everything like that so i just um, i got a little taste of uh, equestrian life when i lived there of course people are everywhere uh, yes yeah i did not i didn't know it well have you guys all ridden a horse at some point exactly once. like you know the animal you know kind of for sure uh, yeah actually i remember yeah, doing that. Uh, it was in West Texas. We it was spring break, um, and I had it like you know, 
kids parties before friends birthday parties at different areas but like yeah this was like a full-sized horse very well trained obviously but yeah getting on horseback was just like huh i am counting on the fact i can control an animal that is like 10 times my size and like 20 times my weight okay this is fine everything's fine oh but yeah no it's I, I see what you mean. Ooh. Shannon? Intimidating. They're intimidating re- regardless. Yeah. They're very intimidating. I grew up around cows. Uh, so I was used to large animals that are extremely chill 99.9% yeah. of the time. And horses, the few times I've encountered them, I was like, oh, these guys are real nervous. And I don't know how to feel about that. Um, my brother is terrified of them. So if my brother ever listens to this, ha. Um, <laughs> he is terrified of horses they scare him uh my mom was a horse girl grew up with horses loves them but my property growing up we had terrible fences because cows don't jump fences they might lean against them but that's about it (laughs) with horses you got to have perfect immaculate very tall fences because they're constantly testing them um yeah. So I've only ridden a horse once. It was during summer camp in like middle school. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know that I like this. This is very high up. I don't have a lot of control. Um, I think I'm good. Well, that makes me, uh, uh, I'm going to hop on the questions and we'll go back to the previous one in a second. But that does lead me to, uh, in, in an article in Outsmart magazine, you did mention that you were, you've been drawn to beautiful objects since you were a child. Do you remember mm-hmm. the first time like you, you saw an object and and thought this is beauty or this is this uh, this is just something that I feel so drawn to for its its aesthetic and the way it fits in with my life? Was it a horse? Actually, I'm wondering. Um, aesthetically, no. Um, it, it was there were. There are two very clear things. One is there was an an incredible estate that was built in Miami about three blocks from my house called Villa Vizcaya. And it was built by uh, a closeted uh, queer man by the name of John Deering. Um, And it was opulent and crazy. And he had these amazing parties and it had an underground grotto swimming pool and elaborate gardens. And I would go there any chance I could, which was usually at least two or three times a week. So uh, seeing all of that was magic to me. And um, uh, there was one uh, in particular was uh, John Deering's master, sounds silly, his master bathroom had a salt water bathtub. So they would pump salt water in from, it was on on the bay. It would pump salt water in. He would take a bath in salt water, but the tub was um, uh, gold and the entire room was gilt and gold, which, you know, surprise. But (gasps) there was something about that 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 just kind of inspired me, I guess, Uh, living those kind of fantasy moments in that space. Um, 
and then uh, kind of the woman that was most influential for me design wise growing up um, took me to her um, close friend's uh, home and on the back of the house was this two-story all-glass conservatory and it was a giant and she had birds flying around inside of it and she wore a caftan and a turban and was like i was like honey you know i want to be like i want to be around you i just yeah she was giving yeah me everything so those are the two things that stand out really uh, and actually i want to open this up to all of us um and Dax, you can uh answer again and answer again in light of this question but was there something in your lives either professionally or personally that like that just grabbed you that you were like this is amazing this is important for me to uh be able to do or to have um like for me uh, funnily enough it was actually writing in cursive um Mm. like once uh watching uh, my parents, especially, but even my brother, when he learned, and I thought it was so beautiful and and such a a lovely way to be able to write. Um, even though my handwriting is not the best, but I always write in cursive, and I've always loved writing in cursive since I learned how. Um, and it was just something about like the the flow the way i mean the way it looked obviously but just the flow of the ink on the paper long and continuous that just hooked my imagination as a kid yeah there's nothing that's more exciting to me than like uh, a, a remy fountain pen like oh. it's, the cursive just flows it's just beautiful my beautiful. my dad um it's it is hidden and locked away somewhere. But my dad got me uh, for my college graduation a Cartier fountain pen, um, uh, and I've I've always loved fountain pens all the time. I use I use a casual one at work all the time. But yeah, I I definitely feel that. Uh, abs- um, shocking, I'm sure. Shocking. But so, <laughs> do, do all of you guys write in cursive? Uh, first of all, we need to address casual fountain pen. <laughs> you can find like inexpensive fountain pens. Like you can get them for like 20 bucks online. No, but, no. but you're I'm right. The phrase casual fountain. <laughs> I own a few. Is- a feather on the end of it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I do like- own a few fountain pens, but it turns out I like the idea of them more than the actuality i hate the cleaning and all of that and like i hold my pens weird so fountain pens and i don't always get along well um i do write in cursive uh i was obsessed with like old stuff as a kid wasn't terribly picky if it was like victorian and older i was into it so looking at letters and like handwriting of people hundreds of years ago really fascinated me manuscripts all of that so I was very much like as a kid, like I'm going to have beautiful handwriting so that someday someone will discover my letters and be like, wow, what did this person talk about with this handwriting? So right. my handwriting is actually very lovely. It's not useful. I can't read it a lot. I have to admit. Um, so when I was doing like my uh, archival internship in grad school, 
I never felt gayer than going through a box and being like, ooh, is this personal correspondence? Oh, and written in cursive. I'm in. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. What's the T? <laughs> like some sort of love letter or, you know, uh, deeply moving dissertation about feelings and thoughts, emotion. Uh-huh. Yeah, I also um, love the idea of writing writing with a like a quill feather. So <laughs> I have one of my first like two or three tattoos. One of them was a quill feather, and um, then I took it to this like Texas theme, which I won't get into. <laughs> but um, now it looks like a squirrel's tail because there's like so much going on. <laughs> So, like, the quill feathers no longer just, uh, it's a mess. But I love it. It doesn't matter because that's my journey. And, uh, but, yeah, I have horrible handwriting. I totally, my dad and I have that, like, doctor's, you know, signature. And it just looks like scribble scrabble. So, um, is it a mixture of cursive and just block lettering or yeah, actually, it's both. That's that's yeah. hilarious. It is, and um, some I've had one teacher compliment me on my half written cursive, but uh, that's it. Uh, but yeah, I, that's that's the answer to that question. Yeah, um, I'm just a ballpoint pen kind of person. <laughs> no fountain pens here. Um, no, I do appreciate a fine point pen, but I'm not really super picky about pens as long as they write well. And I, I get complimented on my, my writing all the time, but it, I would say it's also like a combo of cursive and block letters. Um, I think it's just really easy and neat to read, which is why it gets complimented, but I don't, I wish I could write better in cursive. I know it's, it's, I think it's generational too. I'm, uh, I mean, it's just something we, I had to learn. I mean, it, there wasn't, you know, no, no question about it. You wrote in cursive period, you know? Oh yeah. I remember, I think it was like third grade. The teacher started writing in cursive on the board. We had to start writing in cursive on our homework. It was like, this is what you're doing now. You're done with the kitty stuff. You're going to write in cursive. Right. Yeah. And and yet, you know, what we, you know, working on our daily routines and work life, everything we do is in some sort of block lettering, you know, so I feel like it's going to be a lost art or cursive anyway, you know. Yeah, very true. Um, I know. And, and to get to the question, I know we hopped one that was on our list. So uh, there is actually a question that I think will appeal to both all of us. Uh, Shannon, it's uh, your question, so you want to go ahead and ask? Yes. Okay. Um, Let me find it. Oh, God, I just looked at it. There we go. So, Dax, as both an interior designer and on a personal level, what do you think of books as not just text to be read, but objects to be admired? We already did kind of talk about this with the horrifying um, books being covered in white paper. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's going to haunt my nightmares. Well, you know, um, this is going to like 
this is probably going to like just offend every one of you. But I was also gifted about a thousand law books that I tore all of the covers and spines off of so that they were all kind of raw and neutral colored for design purposes. Why? Why? I that, okay, I, this is a legitimate question. Why do people do that? I don't understand. As someone... I'm ending the podcast, we're books, done. No. <laughs> I don't understand why people want books in their space as mm -hmm. just decoration. Like, yeah. I think it's in the same vein of people who turn their books around and just the pages yes. are facing. I'm like, what? If, why? Why? No, I just don't... Does not compute in my brain. I know. And every time I would do that, uh, I would hear my mother, who was an, a crazy avid reader. And that's why I think I, mean, I got it from her. But she would she would turn over in her grave if she saw me ripping the spine off of a book or tearing the page off or something like that, which I wouldn't do. But um, personally, um, well, just from a design standpoint, I mean, people are looking at books more from a decorative perspective than an actual, you know, sort of uh, inclusive reading experience. Um, uh, you're right. There are people who want their books color coordinated and or all neutral or whatever. Uh, it's it's just, you know, it's part of that decoration process, right? Um, I love books. Um, but I can tell you every book that I have, I have read or thumbed through the pages, you know, a couple of hundred times. Uh, or intended to read someday. I have a lot of books of, books of that variety. That's <laughs> also, my emotional support stack. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, oh, I'm calling it that now. <laughs> I, I reread books, you know, a lot because they're, they're comforting, you know, and they're, they're, I, I just I find things that I miss the first or third or fifth time. So, uh, hey, me, go ahead. Sorry, me personally, Dax. I'm I'm not too broken up about what you said. I'm all about tearing up laws. So, <laughs> I mean, if they were anything else, I would have issues. But law books, not so much. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, to be fair, we have periodically torn books up for craft purposes in the library. If a book gets discarded and it's still in okay condition, I have definitely harvested pages to use later for found poetry or for something else. So we do occasionally do it. We just don't put them back on the shelf is the thing. Well, in the design industry, kind of one of my pet peeves, This and this is every kind of um, higher end client everywhere, and I do mean everywhere, will have the obligatory Tom Ford cocktail table book on their table somewhere. And it drives me nuts. It's like, that's the best you can do. Like, that's, that's the best you can do for uh, a cocktail table book, coffee table books are what you want people to pick up and be intrigued by or excited by or tell them something about you but really tom ford i feel like that's very indicative of a person who does not actually go through their books because right. yes 
your your coffee table book should be something weird and that you want people to like flip through, you know, spend some time with. <laughs> I totally agree. I would say he did say it should it should reflect yourself. So yes, coffee table books would definitely be weird. But uh, <laughs> but um, you know it's funny because I I'm betting all of us had this experience where you went to a friend's house as a kid and you were like, why do you have like one bookshelf? Mm -hmm. I don't <laughs> what. <clears throat> Right. So, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dex. <laughs> oh, no, I, I was going to say that um, my grandparents, uh, my New England grandparents, had a beautiful library and um, very special home. And the library was all kind of uh, uh, crotch veneer, pattern matched uh, maple. And the ceiling, my grandmother painted purple. And it was just wall-to-wall -wall books, fireplace, and it was just one of my favorite places to be. Unfortunately, we could only use it in the wintertime because that's the only time they ever heated it, or that was the only time they ever would ever go in there. Um, but it just made me feel good. And I can tell you that my family, those books were read. You know, they, they, they weren't just kind of pretty. Uh, and it's just a quick story is when I first met William and he came to my old home, I had like, st I always have stacks of books on my cocktail table, but I had like about 12 books stacked in a chair and about four on a stool next to it. And those are things that I'm kind of reading or I'm going to read or I'm not sure, but I just liked the way it looked. So I came home one day and he had moved all of the books off the chair and the stool and he said, I put those away from you because that, I mean, why were they in a chair or on a stool? I said, you, you moved them? Why? Like, why? What? He said, we're just, they don't belong in a chair or stool. And I was like, okay. You know, it was a designer in me that was like, no, that's cool. I like it. Um, so he still won't let me put books in a chair, by the way, but that's, you know. Wait. With, I'm with him on this one. That's a chair. <laughs> You're supposed to sit in it. <laughs> I, mean, is, I don't have design sense, so I'm probably the last person who should be answering this. Uh. <laughs> Although I've gotten in trouble doing that with Stephen before. Not not for design purposes, but because I was reading that and now I don't know where it is. <laughs> like, right. Mm, whoops. That's my spouse. I find books in weird places because he was reading it and he set it aside for later, but it's in like a preposterous place. And he's also so tall. So it's like up high and it's like, no, that's not, that's not where they go. So this is just a silly, but for me, it's interesting is when you guys are reading a book and you're kind of putting it down for a moment, how do you do that? Do you leave it open on its spine? kind of laying flat? Do you bookmark it? How do you do that? Honestly, for me, I just close it. It's usually pretty easy for me to find my place again. Um, I did okay. go through actually a big bookmark phase for a while, though, where I just collected pretty looking bookmarks. Um, right. I'm sure there was them. love. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, but it, it was also one of those things where I'd swore I'd use them and they'd just end up like scattered across tables and counters and, you know, just like a little breadcrumb trail if you needed to find me. <laughs> I feel you on the, the bookmark problem. People gift me really lovely bookmarks and I'm like, oh, thank you. And I set it down somewhere and never use it because I, if a book is being put away for just like a second, I got to get up and check something I'm cooking. I will occasionally leave a book open um, on its spine <laughs> or turned so that it's like hanging off of the edge of the couch. So it's not like fully open. It's just like held kind of, <laughs> or I'll just oh. grab whatever's nearby and use as a bookmark. I will say, um, oh, tangent, our specialty. Uh, one of the coolest kind of like things used as a bookmark that I found was uh, I picked up an old Ray Bradbury book at half price. Uh, and there was a plane ticket from the from 1980. Ooh. Um, and I was like, first of all, like, what? what? <laughs> how, how did this stay in here this long? But it's actually really cool because it's it about the date that the book was printed. And it just, I don't know, it gave me a little aesthetic thrill to be able to use it as a bookmark as I was reading the stories. It just felt very pertinent maybe it was the archivist in me i don't know yeah found objects and books are so cool i worked at half price books for a little over five years and we uh, found some crazy things in books we find, we find crazy things in books now i was about oh, to say that yes, could be a sure. whole episode <laughs> like, oh, that yep. is that is its own topic like yeah no. yeah uh <laughs> jen yeah, I um, I had some books that I took out of storage because, you know, I moved back and forth from the Pacific Northwest and stuff. And I found books that like uh, my dad had and like old receipts from, you know, places he purchased books at, things like that. And it's it can be nostalgic like to, to find those things or actual notes that people write because people oh, write that's notes. That's my favorite. I know. Actually, yeah, uh, just like little little notes, um, little jottings, uh, marginalia. I love finding that at half price. Do not enjoy finding that in library books. Um, <laughs> but I remember there's this web comic I read called Something Positive, um, and two of the characters are talking, and um, one of them asks the other, like, where do you where do you find comfort? Where do you find find joy? And he he show the other character shows her this note that was just in between two books. It was just a random note that says "I love you," um, and she's and she asks, "So this is where you find it, like in in found notes or anything like that?" And and I loved the answer because it was it was it's in these moments where people are being honest when they don't think anyone is looking and are willing to give this glimpse of themselves, and it's often in these little scraps um that are thrown away um and that hits me very personally because that's true uh especially in in my time learning about archival work it's it's often this ephemera the the tiny things that aren't meant to last that are considered disposable that you really get a glimpse into the day-to-day -day, into what the way people are living uh, so I, I, yeah, so the, the found notes thing is always a little bit of a joy to me. Uh, 
We didn't finish answering how we deal with books that we're putting down for a second. So Lisa and Dakari, you're not off the hook. Uh, I use bookmarks. Uh, I also have post-it notes everywhere. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> my partner sees quotes that I'll write down uh, and I'll put them on my bearded dragon's like glass cage because it's nearby and so then he'll just see like all these notes hashtag against the patriarchy but you know we'll talk about that later (laughs) (laughs) i leave post-it notes and my bookmarks everywhere i have a post-it note on my book right now you can't see Uh, it but it's there and that's that's how i do things bookmarks post-it notes i'm an uh, found bookmark kind of person too, like Shannon. I'll just grab whatever is close to me. Um, yeah, I don't leave them laying down on the spines. I cannot. I don't like it when the books get damaged. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely a bookmark kind of person, but it doesn't have to be anything specific. It could literally just be anything that will lay in there and hold the space. I've actually used my phone before, <laughs> just like. <laughs> that way I know where both of them are there's the book there's my phone it's great uh, I'm a monster in my personal collection it's fine I treat no, that your books better that Honey, makes sense where, where's my phone where's my book I don't know <laughs> but when I you do find that one yeah yeah what it or both yeah I do that with cooking for whatever reason because I'm like trying to follow a recipe and then my phone's there for whatever reason and yeah same there's um there there is an annoyance for me sure when i see a book kind of splayed out you know kind of split apart um it's just one of those ticks like it's just why are you doing that i want to go fix it it's sort of like when i see a crooked piece of art hanging i have to go fix that like immediately you know like uh as a designer, one of my pet peeves too, and having had an art gallery for a long time, is that when people hang artwork on one hook or just one nail in a wall, I really, it just gives me so much like grief. So um, it's always going to be crooked and it's just unsafe, right? You know? Especially if it's a large artwork, like uh. oh, right now, for sure. But um, and that the books that I kind of actually I'm looking at right now um, are um, books that I've had for a long time, and they just give me joy. They're 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 uh, pictorial, and one of them, which is an early book that I got probably when I was fifteen by a photographer, Robert Vavra. And he's, the book uh, is titled All Those Girls in Love with Horses. And it, and it is about um, why girls, when they hit puberty or slightly before, begin their romance with horses. Um, why, that, why that's a thing. Um, and, and how that kind of transfers later in life to, you know, um, uh, all the relationships that they have. So first infatuations. And so 
maybe it kind of played out the same way for me. My first like emotional infatuations were with, you know, uh, unconditionally loving, you know, sensitive, you know, muscular creatures. I don't know. No, you, no. you were okay. a horse girl. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's right. uh, so. I'm going to remember well, that for later. <laughs> yeah, Appreciate that. You're talking uh, about books that bring you joy. And we've talked a lot about things that either irritate you or facets of career life, but we haven't actually asked what this is something we tend to ask a lot of people. A lot of our guests have had this question asked because we get a different answer every time. <laughs> so, what does queer joy, what is when you hear that phrase, what does that sound like to you? What do you think of? What is it? So queer joy for me is a state of being. Um, it's when I am completely unaware. I'm not guarded. I'm not questioning. I'm not. Uh, there's no thought spiraling in my head about what I'm doing or how I'm doing it or how I'm expressing myself or what I'm wearing, or how others might perceive me, right? Uh, and most of those times are when I'm around um, the people I love and care about. Um, that to me is queer, my queer joy, is this is just me and not monitoring it. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's not, it's not a place, it's not a... A thing it's a state of being for yourself that's really cool yeah. and yeah and just the idea of, yeah of being in a space where you can be completely unguarded uh and actually that's true because even sometimes uh even out in the community you don't always find that space um yeah, yeah so that is that is something very special when you can find it um so actually, on a related note to that, um, I do want to ask, uh, since we're talking about spaces and, and joy and the people we care about, so um, we've, we've talked about uh, Chosen Family on our podcast before, and um, it was actually the theme for this past year's uh, big pride zine. Uh, so regardless of also how we grew up, most of us uh, grew up with the concept of a family home, whether whether we had one or whether like it was shown on TV, just the idea that there is such a thing as a family home. But uh, for a lot of queer people, um, that home and family don't mean the same thing necessarily that they might mean to other, other uh, communities. And often our, our family is chosen, um, even if we, regardless of our relationship with our biological family, we often end up choosing our own. So Dax, my question is, if you were to uh, do the design, interior design of a chosen family home for yourself, mm -hmm. what would it be? Or what elements would it include? That's a good question. Uh, the first things that just sort of riff to my mind um, would be effortless um, comfort, um, interactive, 
uh, lots of openness, um, soothing. Uh, I, I guess I'm going more with feelings, but physically looking, I would say um, curated. Um, lots of interesting things that would inspire conversation uh, about travels or oddities. I love oddities. It's one of my favorite things. Um, I want to open up a cabinet or a drawer and see some of just the weirdest things, collections of stupid stuff. Um, fascinating to me. Um, uh, I have, even now, I have this giant box upstairs that is a small kind of cabinet and is full of just the weirdest little things from a vintage hashish pipe um, uh, to a little silver funnel. I mean, it's just weird. It's just weird. So um, I think my chosen family home would definitely be that way. Like just lots of cool, interesting stuff. Yeah. There would definitely need to be, for me, there would need to be a huge sectional sofa mm -hmm. that everyone can pile on, including the animals, because there will be animals. Uh, that would definitely be a must for me. What about, what about you all? Do you all have like a piece or an element that like you would do for like a chosen family home? I'm just going to say, what is it with queers and sectionals? I don't. <laughs> Everyone, don't be a hater, Shannon. I don't like them. I'm very sorry. <laughs> wow. Okay. I understand. Uh, do you? I, I mean, they're very practical. Um, you know, if you want your room to be a giant bed, then yeah, they're great. Uh, they're very I practical. They have a great personality. <laughs> <laughs> oh my just, gosh. They are very ugly. Um, they don't have to be. Fair. They've gotten a lot less awful in the last couple of years. Um, but I guess home ownership is such a like dream <laughs> that I feel like I'll never achieve. I have trouble imagining practically what that would look like. Um, I was hoping not to veer into that. Like, ah, that's true. Fair. <laughs> A big living room, uh, definitely a good amount of space for that so that I can have gatherings um, because I don't have a space that I can have more than like four people in really. Um, for me as a person, I need a craft room. That's, <laughs> that's just, I need to not use my dining room as a craft room. Yeah, no, I feel that non-negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it would have to be a a really big table. Um, I really enjoy cooking for people. I enjoy feeding people. I, For me, that's an extension of my love. And I feel like a lot of really healing conversations can happen around the table and around food. And I just really enjoy being able to host people in that capacity. So for me, it looks like having a really big table where a lot of people can fit. I love that. Um, I love tables for two reasons. I'm a big foodie. Um, I don't think I'm the best cook, but <laughs> I love to cook. 
Um, and I like to try out new recipes. So uh, I think it's 100% my love of like PBS's like cooking shows <laughs> and um, something like that. But I, we also love uh, tabletop games at our house and uh, hosting um, game nights. So a big table is a plus for us. Um, I don't like a lot of furniture though, because I roller skate around <laughs> my, um, my apartment and my previous home. So I like to have wood floors, um, zero carpet <laughs> to roller skate. So that's my, that's my jam. Cool. There's a commonality there for sure. Um, I think hearing all of you guys, you know, speak about it. Um, I mean, it's, it makes sense. The, the community kind of carrying itself into your home, like accommodating and open and comfortable and joyous. Yes. Mm. Which actually is, I mean, it makes so much sense, but it is also kind of funny because you know, end, end of a long work week, end of, you know, being around people, talking to people. I know a lot of us talk about like, oh, I cannot wait to like be home and just not see anyone like at all. Um, but yet in our ideal home, like it's always a community space. Because um, I feel even, even for the most introverted among us, yeah, we need a, a need a place to be alone for a while. But even at home, like the people you're with at home, it's like, no, no, that's different. <laughs> that is absolutely different. Um, and also, Lisa, I absolutely want a gaming table. Like I just so much. Um, so all my D20s stop ending up on the floor. But, uh, no, I just, I just automatically assume that you had a game table. Like, oh God, no. Like a good gaming table is very expensive. Um, and I'm, and I want like a good gaming table, not something that's going to fall apart. Um, and I, I do not intend to have children, but if I did have children, I would love to just like think of future generations and be like, and this was passed down. It's just like, what? <laughs> what is this? It's a gaming table. Excuse me. <laughs> right. Just the look. The looks of confusion would just warm me in my in my future grave. No, I don't think that's too far off. I mean, I don't think that's in the far future. I think with AI and VR, it's the physicality of actually playing games, sitting at a table is unique it will be more unique as time goes by um it's true <clears throat> until then though we can still hire you as a designer so if someone's potentially looking for you online how can we support your work where can people find you so i mean currently i'm i'm you know i have my website which is um, kind of a sampling of of my work and how I work and different facets of my work, which is um, daxdesignstudio.com. And social media, Instagram, uh, and TikTok as well. Um, I'm getting ready to launch a new series on TikTok of short 
videos that are essentially a um, an appropriation from other designers that is how to not make your house look like a piece of crap videos. <laughs> so, and that's Dax Design yeah. Studio there too? Yep, DaxDesignStudio.com. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Of course. That's something I'm really big on is, you know, everyone that we talk to, I want to make sure that they're given the chance to help get support for their work because it's hard out there. Yeah. Well, we all have to eat and pay bills and live, you know. Unfortunately. So, shall we go ahead? So, uh, unfortunately, uh, we are reaching the end of our time, which makes me sad because I would totally love to just sit and chat all day. <sighs> but as it is, uh, we're, let's go ahead and bring it to a close. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you laughed. I hope we gave you things to think about. And I hope you keep asking questions. Until next time, queers. Queers.